Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message at Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy this message. Good morning, Mount Hope. Happy New Year. You all ready? You really ready? I've seen a lot of New Year's. I just wonder if you're ready. I've seen a whole bunch of them. Hopefully... By the end of the message, you will have some anticipation, some excitement about this next year. Ideally, I would like to give you a message this morning, and the reason I'm here is because our pastor, Norm, for like three days now, or better, has got that bug. And uh, it's a bad bug, right? So he asked me if I'd fill in, and I said, of course. Most of you know me, I think. My name is David Alexander. I'm a a teacher at BTI, so, and you've probably, if you've been in a Wednesday night in the last year or two, you've seen me. So I'm not a new face, but doesn't mean everybody knows me. The idea today that I would like to share is about the new year, about the new year. I would like to instill in you, if I can, and I know I can, because God does this, Amen? I know that I can. I'd like to instill in you a message that you'll carry all year. That's a pretty big, big task. really is. Uh, so it's going, to take, it's going to take some prayer. So why don't we start there? Let's let God do this thing for us. Huh? Heavenly Father, God of glory, God of creation, God of our salvation, we love you today. Oh, Father, the beginning of another new year. Lord, it seems like a fresh thing for us, but how many have you seen? Father, all through history, there's been new years. Father, we ask and we beg that this one be a new one for us, a clean slate, a new walk. Lord, that you would work in our lives in a mighty way, that your power, your grace, your love would flow through this church in such a way that in the next year we don't even look the same. Lord, that we don't have room to seat all the people. Lord, that our troubles and our problems relate to, boy, I wish we had more teachers because we have so many people. Father, we love you. We expect great things from you, for you have never, ever let us down. Lord, be with us today. Anoint the speaker, anoint those who hear it, Touch their hearts, Lord, that in this next half hour, 45 minutes, Lord, that you will write a new thing on their heart that they can carry for the rest of their lives. Only you can do this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start by reading you a poem. Now, I don't normally do this. <laughs> this is kind of different for me. Right? But I came across this. And it's about the new year. It's written by somebody named Martha Nicholson. Now, I don't know anything about her. All I know is she can write a nice poem. So when I found this, I thought this would be perfect for today. And it says, Dear Lord, as this new year is born, I give it to thy hand. Content to walk by faith, what paths I cannot understand. Whatever coming days may bring of bitter loss or gain, or every crown of happiness should sorrow come or pain. O Lord, if all unknown to me thine angel hovers near, 
to bear me to that farther shore before another year. It matters not, my hand in thine, thy light upon my face, thy boundless strength when I am weak, thy love and saving grace. I only ask, loose not my hand. Grip fast my soul and be my guiding light upon the path till blind no more I see. That is a poem of trust, right? Holding our Father's hand. Of complete and abandoned trust, right? Now, normally, this kind of a poem would take, I hate to use the word average Christian because there's no such thing, that would take a Christian years to develop that trust, you would think, right? But it's not so. New Christians can do this. Everybody can do this. I would like to talk to you about 35 years of business. That sounds crazy, I know. I spent 30, 35 years in business. I retired. At the end of every year of business, we did what we call a uh, year-end inventory. Terrible thing. (laughs) Terrible thing. Right? But people like owners and CEOs and CFOs want to know some things. They want to know, how, how are we doing? They want to know, did we make any progress? Where are we at? Do we need, need to make any adjustments in the next year to be what we think we ought to be, right? That's a normal business thing. But Christians need to do this too. Christians need, and at the end of the year is a good time to do it. Christian needs to say, okay, where am I? Where am I with the Lord in your, in your walk? Where am I? Um, they need to ask things like, did, did I make the, any progress? What adjustments do I need to make? So I'm going to ask you in the next five seconds to do that. And the reason I give you five seconds is because I know you have already done this. All of you have done this. You always have this question, not just on January 1st, of where am I? Lord, where am I with you? How am I doing, Lord? Am I progressing? Do I need to make adjustments? Right? You've already done that. And in, in, in the last five seconds, that's been flashing in. The Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you and already been saying, how you doing? And he's saying, well, you know, you're going to get different answers. You're either going to get, you're doing pretty good. You've had some great spiritual victories. Things are going well. You're doing good. Or you're going to hear from the Holy Spirit, you're going to hear, uh, well, you have a few issues. Could be painful. Welcome to life. Or you're going to hear something that's somewhere in a mix between them where you've had some great victories. Hallelujah, we're doing well. There's some good stuff going on, but you fell on your face once or twice. So you're kind of confused thinking, well, Lord, I don't know how that washes out. Am I doing okay or not? Right? We all do this. We tend to do this at the end of the year, which is not a bad thing. But you need to be encouraged in this. Stop doing that. (laughs) And I only say it because what did Paul say? Philippians 3, 12. He said, "I, I have not attained, I have not reached that point. I am not mature, perfect, 
As Christians, we tend to want to go from zero to perfection in the blink of an eye. And we don't get there. We fall on our head. We trip. And about the, thing, about the time we think we're doing really well, Satan gets involved. We get kicked in the shins or something, right? That's what happens. So, we got 2017 looking down on us right now, right? This message will not be about New Year's resolutions. Does anybody make them? Do you actually make them? Or have you gotten wise and given up making them? Because they always fail. Amen. I heard an amen right there. Right? That's what happens. New, New, New Year's resolutions are pretty much doomed to failure, so we quit making them. This message is also not going to be about trying harder to be that Christian. Why? What's the difference between a New Year's resolution and trying harder? There isn't any. What do you do when you resolve to accomplish something in the new year? What do you do to bring that to success? Or try to, right? You try, you try, you try, you try. And then you try harder and then you fail. The Christian life is not meant to be a resolution. It is not meant to, for you and me, to try harder to make it work. Because you'll fail. Just like your resolution. You are looking at the poster boy of trying harder. For years, I tried and I tried. I wanted to please my Lord so much. I would try, I would fight, I would try. You know what that ends up in? Disappointment, frustration, and even depression. Why? Because you fail. I know I'm Irish. I know I'm a hillbilly. I know I probably pick things up slower than other people. But it took me a long time to get my arms around this one. I did. I fought and I fought and I fought. And I never could win until I learned a couple truths. And today, I'm going to give you those truths about how you get past that, all right? It works. It is a beautiful thing, and it is so simple that it goes right over your head. Because in our spirits, in our minds, especially as Americans, we think we have to work to accomplish what God has already done. And for years, I had God always grabbing me by the nap of the neck to drag me back from trying hard. And he finally succeeded. And I praise his name for that. It took me forever to get there. It really did. So... The first truth you have to grasp. There's two of them. If you don't get the first one, if you don't buy into the first one as all truth and really assimilate it and really get a hold of it, the second truth does not work. All right? So you've got to get the first one. Because if you kind of so-so get the first one, the second one will fail just like you trying. All right? I sang too many courses of the old hymns. Thank you, brother, for playing that stuff. I love old hymns. Okay. When you were saved, we, when we were saved, a transaction occurred. 
And that transaction is 100% complete. It's all of it. Right? That transaction was what? You got saved. All of you. It is a total and complete transaction. That's the first truth. But you've got to get the whole picture. What does that mean? Well, Ephesians 1.17 says that we are purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. 1 Peter 2.9 says we are God's own possession. Right? 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20 tells us that you are not your own. You are purchased with a very high price. Amen, amen? So you are saved. You are purchased. But... It is a, like I said, a complete transaction. Every thought, every intent of your heart, every love, every hate, every mole, every wart, you getting it? Every house, every car, every penny, everything hanging in your closet, the shoes on your feet, do you get my picture? When God saved you, he got it all. You don't get to keep anything. Why? Because as soon as you exercise your control, what happens? Everything starts falling apart. It's a complete transaction. <clears throat> when, I, when I think of the clothes in the closet and that kind of stuff, I think of Joyce Myers. She told a story once about she had this purse she really liked. And she had a set of earrings that matched it. And she was somewhere, and there's this woman there or someone. And anyway, the Lord told her, give that woman your purse. And Joyce didn't want to. Joyce liked the purse. She didn't want to do that. She wanted to hang on to that purse. Well, you know. But she knew she had to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So it was kind of like, here. You know. God wanted me, you know, one of those, one of those things. And then the Holy Spirit prompted her again, and he said, well, because you have that attitude, give her the earrings too. <laughs> See, it's not ours. None of it's ours. Everything in your life is his. Even that stuff you try to hide is his. Amen? We try to separate our physical life from our spiritual life sometimes. And that does not work. It's all or nothing. What am I saying? I'm going to tell you a story. For some reason, God has given me stories for today. <laughs> Suppose you went out and bought a house. And you were fortunate enough to just pay for it, buy it outright. Your house. Right? Your house. What's the first thing you do? You move in. You start cleaning rooms. Painting, painting walls. Picking out carpet. You do all that, right? That's kind of the first thing you do. What would you do if the previous owner showed up and started telling you which rooms to clean and which ones not to clean? Or he started telling you what color he wanted the walls. This is the previous owner, not you. This is the previous owner. What would you do? Ask him to leave? Throw the bum out? Right? What would you do? Colossians 3.5 tells us what God says to do with that. But he's much harsher than I was. He said, put him to death. Understand, 
you are that house. Your life is filled with rooms, right? And when you were purchased at salvation, God bought you. He got the whole deal. You don't get to tell him what to do or how to do it. Amen? So you cannot tell him, I want this color of paint in this wall. And oh, by the way, don't open that door. There's something behind there. You don't, you know, just forget that. You don't get to do that, right? And it's a, it's a battle. Life is a battle that way. It gets ugly at times. And once you have discovered that this previous owner, you know who that is, don't you? That previous owner is the flesh. It's your old self. So you're happy the day you get saved. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The next day, you're telling him what color to paint the walls. The flesh gets back involved. The flesh jumps right in and says, don't open that door. Really, you don't want to do that, right? Just leave that door alone. We do that all the time. You are purchased lock, stock, and barrel. I don't know. Probably if you're under 50, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Lock, stock, and barrel. Everything you have. Everything you are. Everything you have. All right? Do you get that first truth? It's kind of big, really. Right? It's kind of a big bite to take. Because every person, I don't care who you are, every person has something that they're kind of would like to keep, like the little kid with the cookie in their hand behind their back. There's something in your life that you would probably like to hold on to. I'm not saying it's an evil thing, even that. It could be a good thing. But still something you're just not going to give up. I like it. So I'll keep it. And in our, in our foolishness, we actually think God doesn't know about it. Yeah. Huh? We kind of, you know, we do. We, we kind of think, well, look at, Lord, all this great stuff that I'm doing. And all the time you got this, you know, cookie back here or whatever it is. And it's as though we think we can deceive him. But he gets it all. He gets the cookie. He even gets the attitude that wants to hide the cookie, right? He gets it all. And he's very gentle. He's very loving. Right? He is. He does not beat and bruise us for our own foolishness. But he needs to get us past that. We all have to get past that. We all have to get to the point where we realize, and this is the first truth again, <clears throat> that every single thing you are and every single thing you have is not yours. But I have worked all my life for this. Really. And, and that's good. I'm glad you have a home. I'm glad you have a car. But you still have to realize it's not yours. None of it. I've talked to uh, many people in my life. I've been a Christian good Lord, I don't know, 41 or two years or something. A long, long, long time. And I've been teaching for about 40 years, so I bumped into a lot of people. And I bumped into a lot of folks that are at that point where, man, I'm, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to quit. And I'm ready to quit because I've tried and I failed. I've tried and I failed. Right? 
get this first truth so I can give you the second. So that you can take this message through the rest of your year and realize how sweet it is to walk with the Lord. Right? How sweet this is going to be for you. Am I hanging a carrot out there long enough? Yeah. Paying attention? Terrible person, I know. Paul called himself a slave. He called himself a bondservant. He knew this truth, right? He gave it all up. He, uh, the funny thing is, for a lot of folks, is, see, when the day you got saved, God knew what he was getting. You're not, you're not a surprise to him, right? Hallelujah. Even the cookie behind the back, he knows. When you got saved, he knew. Yeah, but, you know, Lord, you know, I was doing good when I got saved, but a year later, look what happened. You don't think he knew that? You were single when you got saved, but Lord, I got a wife and two kids or a husband and two kids or whatever. You don't think he knew that? You think there's a surprise in there somewhere? So everything you have and everything you are, he already knows, and it's all in his hand. All right? Now I got to get you to open your hand. All right? You got to open the hand. So, that previous owner, that dirty rat. Here's the second truth. When you got saved, you did, a, you did something. You surrendered to a greater power. You did. You surrendered to the call of God upon your life. Now, that surrender wasn't forced. Not like two armies and one winning and the other had to surrender. That's not it. When you surrendered, you willingly surrendered. You gave it up. You surrendered. The surrender is the second truth. But if everything I have and everything I am is already his, what do I have left to surrender? Right? If I've already given everything to him, he's got all of me, what is there left to surrender? The only thing left to surrender is the previous owner. Right? The previous owner. Because he holds your life, your job, your money, everything is in his hand. It doesn't matter what it is. Your health, everything's right here. He's got it all. What he does not have, because he does not want, is that previous owner. But you're still carrying that previous owner around. Colossians tell us, tells us to put off the old man to put on the new man. The old man is a previous owner, right? That's who he is. Put him off, put on the new, which is the new creation you are in Christ. Ephesians 4.24, Colossians 3.10, a whole bunch of verses. Now comes the hard part. You have to do this every day of your life. Every single day. What a pain. Right? No fun at all. But you have to do it every day. So really what I'll ask in a little while is I'll ask you to try to do this. I'll ask you to try to get to the point where you will trust him so much that you will actually lay it down. 
Now, what will happen is you'll think you're laying it down, but I can guarantee you that even in the most sincere person here, if you come up to surrender it, you may get 75 or 80%, even though you think you got it all. In a day or two down the road, a month, whatever, the Holy Spirit will prompt you and say, you forgot this one. Here's something else that you did not surrender. The battle, remember, is not trying harder. You have to learn to take all the effort that you are expending in trying to be a Christian and stop that. You take all that effort and you place all that effort in surrendering. Giving up every day. The harder you try, the farther behind you'll get. Scripturally, it's John the Baptist said it. He must increase, but I must decrease. Surrendering is less of you, more of him. Right? We have a very hard time not controlling the things in our life. We want to control everything. Every single thing. It's in my control. Right? We want to control it. Do you actually control it? You think you do. We all do that. You know? You really don't. And about the time you think you've got it all figured out, it changes. And you're going, now what? This is just life. Life is simple. The Christian life is not meant to be hard to live. It does come with persecution. But, it, but the only people that get persecuted, the only Christians, are the ones that are living that life. Right? The more you surrender, the more you look like Jesus. Because the less there is in your life that you are trying to hold on to. It's hard work. It has to be done every day. Thank God. Philippians 2.13 tells us that he gives us the desire to please him. But in the same verse, he also gives us the power to do it. You ever notice that all, all these great scriptures in the Bible, really what they are, is God always being the one doing the giving and us always being the one doing the receiving? Isn't that what it is? Everything from salvation. To even the Holy Spirit praying for us when we don't know how to pray. He gives, we receive. Over and over and over. He wants you to please him. The desire in your heart to live for him is Philippians 2.13. He gives you the desire to live for him, and in the same sentence, he gives you the power to do it. Isn't that give, give, give? See, it's not meant to be that hard. The hardest part for us is getting out of the way. Because we're in the way all the time. We're always reaching out, pulling things back that we think we've given to God. Men and women attack this thing from different directions. Depending on what you have to surrender depends on whether it's easier for a man or a woman. That's just life. That's just how God created us. You know, it's just the way it is. If you, uh, because, you see, you have to give up your children. You have to give your children to the Lord. 
You have to give your spouse to the Lord. You have to give them up. You have to give them up. What does that mean? Does that mean you don't love them anymore? Of course not. Does that don't mean you don't worry and stew and fret and feed them and clothe them and whatever else? No, you do all that. But you have to realize that you have to place them in, in your father's hand. You want their life to change? It isn't going to be by your nagging to go. Or it's not going to be by anything else. It's by taking that one, laying them at the altar and say, Lord, I can't do anything with this because it's yours already. It's my child. You gave me a child. This is my child. I'm giving this child to you. Here, help me, help me, help me. How many parents say help? Uh-huh. Some of you got two hands up. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. Because God will help. The surrender is the hard part. The trust is hard. Stop trying to control everything in your life because you're not going to get there. So what's this trust look like? Another story. <laughs> Story's popping in my head. There's this man walking down the side of a, of a hill, and, and, and he slipped fell off a cliff. There's a branch sticking out, and he grabbed the branch. So he's hanging on. And he uh, obviously yells out, somebody help me. Isn't that kind of normal? Yeah. Help me, help me. And he hears something from above. He hears a voice that says, here I am. And he says, uh, he says who are you? And he says, I'm the Lord. And he said, really? And he said, yes, yes, I'm the Lord. Will you help me? Well, of course I'll help you. Do you trust me? And the man said, well, yes, I trust you. And then the Lord said, well, then let go of the branch. And the man said, what? Why? He said, let go of the branch. And there was a long silence. And then the man hanging out of the branch said, is there anybody else up there? So the trust was kind of short-lived, right? That's what we do. We have trust, but we don't, we don't really, really trust until you get to the point where you know you are. You know, it's kind of like you trust, but you always have kind of a grip on whatever it is that you're trying to give away to the Lord, just in case, right? Trust is hard to do, but you have to do this. All the effort goes in the surrender. So what's this? First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. It's a much quoted verse. It talks about God preserving body, soul, and spirit until the return of Jesus Christ. Verse 24 says that God is the one that does it. That he who calls you is faithful. That lines up with what I'm telling you in that He's the one that does it. You're trying and your effort will not prevail. You got to give up. You have to let God do this stuff. This is a, a message that would normally be for, for uh, people kind of at that cusp where they, where they think they're mature. And then when you bring this up and they find out, well, maybe not quite so much. Because this is so hard to do. Is there benefits? Yes. Benefits of what? Remember the day you got saved? Do you remember when the sin rolled off your back? Do you remember when the burden of that guilt and sin rolled away? 
Do you do? Do you remember that? That happened to me. What happens when you get to the point where you'll lay it down, where you'll surrender? Again, you will feel a release. I went from frustration and disappointment to peace, to comfort, to rest, to an assurance it's in his hands, to an assurance I don't have to do it. Praise God I don't have to do it. Have you ever tried to stand up in front of a crowd of two, three, four, or five hundred people and teach? Most people can't do that, right? Freaks them out. Just totally blows them out of the water. The moment you lay down your gift, whatever that may be, is the moment it comes to life. If you are a teacher and you surrender your gift to the Lord, you'd be able, now you can teach. If you try to prepare it, or a preacher, if you try to do it yourself, you'll struggle. People will notice you're struggling. It won't be natural. You'll fight your way through it. And at the end, you're going, it has to be surrendered. Everything. And it's an amazing thing, the peace that will flood your soul. Now, for those of you that know me, you know that I don't normally teach or preach without 50 or 60 verses. Can I get an amen? amen. There you go. Thanks. So if I give that Wednesday night, don't be surprised if you're over there writing like a crazy person to get 50 or 60 verses written down. I like to beat the truth into you with a Bible verse, right? It's true. I'm not lying. I don't make it up. So I kept these verses, but I kept them for the end. Not 50 or 60. Honest. Could have been. Could have been. This topic is so important in your life. Your 2017 is going to look altogether different if you do this. If you don't do this, your 2017 is going to look like 2016. You don't want to do that, right? We all want to grow. We all want to see the marvels and the wonders of God. We want to, that's what you want. You want to get into it. You can't do 2016 stuff to make 2017 better. You got to change. Remember, adjustments are required in an inventory. The adjustments I'm asking you to do is realize truth one is true. It's all his. Don't hang on to nothing. Truth two, if you understand truth one, truth two simply states, okay, realize it's all his. Now surrender that previous owner. Get him out of the way or her out of the way. Let God be God and you are not going to be able to grasp the beauty in your life. Are you worried? Are you stewed? Are you fret? That all goes away. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I'm promising the moon. I don't know. You know, but God promised me eternal life. <laughs> you know, I can promise you the moon. That's simple, right? Small compared to that. So I'm going to read some verses. I want you to listen to the verse and, and, and try to identify the surrender in the verse. Right? These are not... All these verses, pretty much, you'll know as soon as you hear them. Try to find the surrender in the verse. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. 
Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see sacrifice in there? I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer me who lives. 1 Corinthians 6.20 said what? Or 19 actually says what? You don't belong to yourself. Galatians 2.20 says you're dead. Read Romans 6. You're buried with him. See the surrender? Romans 12.1. I beseech you, that's King James. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present what? You present your bodies as what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Right? Where's the surrender in it? All your body. As a holy sacrifice to God. Is it true? Do you see the surrender? Psalm 37, 7. Be still and know. See, you know these verses. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 37, 7. Be still and know. Patiently wait for him. What is that? That's hard to do. It's in God's time. Yeah, well, what's that? What does that mean? I want it now. It's in God's time. I don't know. I don't understand people that say that. It's in God's time. Everything's in God's time. What does that mean? It's in God. Well, he'll do it when he wants to. But I want it now. I want it now. You know? If you're sick and you want healing, do you want it in God's time? To be honest, you want it yesterday. Right? If you have a bill come due, you can't make your house payment. Lord, you got mail. Do you see what I mean? Right? In God's time. What does that mean? I'm not sure. But I know it works. And I know if I trust him. And I rely on him. He does miracles and brings things out of nothing. And they just happen. And I'm sitting over there scratching my head, not knowing how this did this. It's God. God does this. He does it all the time. Feeds the poor. And everything. Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the... And we are the work of... Is there any surrender in that verse? Doesn't that reduce you to a lump? <laughs> Doesn't it? He's the potter. Why would, I want, why would the lump want to hold anything back from the artisan that makes you into something. Don't do that. Hard to do. Every day you must do this. Every day of your life. No, it's just... <laughs> sounds horrible, doesn't it? You have to surrender everything every day. Wow, Lord. The blessing? Way past anything you can imagine. The only blessing greater than that surrender is the day you got saved. Really. The day you got filled with the Holy Ghost. What a day. Wow, what a day. Ah, you know, what a day. Let me tell you, the day you learn to surrender it all is just as good as that. It's like getting saved all over again. If you could, but you can't. You know what I mean? It's like getting saved all over. The release, the joy, the, the peace of, I'm not going to worry about it. 
And it's not me making up my mind not to worry about it. It's me giving it to him and saying, it's yours anyway. Why do I worry about it? Who, who would do the better job at fixing it in the first place? God. Right? How many lumps do you know that carve themselves or shape themselves? So why do we try to, why do we, you know, we, we look kind of funny if we tried it. But why would we when we have everything given to us? Salvation, eternal life, the Holy Spirit. He prays for us. He heals us. I mean, he, he gives us all the provisions we need. Don't you want to get out of the way? Doesn't that make sense? So, quarter two. So I'm going to close. But I'm going to close... And I want you guys to understand that you're in a Pentecostal church. I think you probably know that. Right? And in a Pentecostal church, we do things like pray. Different than other people sometimes, but we pray. So <clears throat> what I'll do is I'll ask you to come down here. Understand, I want you to surrender. I want you to understand this. I want you to feel the peace, the comfort, the rest, that marvelous joy of just knowing I am in his hands, not mine. Not anybody's, just his. What a glory, huh? What glory, my Lord. But I want you to understand that when you come down here, remember 75 or 80% of what you, you surrender all to him, you're going to miss. And then every day, into the future, you're going to realize that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to let go of something. Maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing. Right? He'll do that stuff. So whatever you think you have completely given up and surrendered here to Him, I'm not asking you to come up and get saved again. That's, no, I'm not doing that. What I'm asking you to do is to give up. Quit trying. Make sense? Stop. I want to see your, a big smile on your face. I want to see the weight come off you. I want you to stop trying to be. Right? Don't be. Just realize that when you walk in the door, I don't pray for his presence. Why? I walk in his presence. I don't say, Lord, bring everybody you want into this church. Why? Because I already know he's going to. That's what I'm talking about. I know he does it. I know he does it. Does he want you surrendered? I know he does. Is you going to have to work to get there? No. All your effort is in booting the previous owner out. Right? That's what you do. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to pray for you. Pretty bad, huh? See, I can't surrender for you. I can't do that. I would like to be able to do that, but I can't do that. You have to surrender. I can't do that for you. I'll pray for you. And I ask God, you know, tap on the shoulder. Make sure they get all of it, as much as you can get. Because you'll be filled with joy. You'll be filled with peace. You walk out of here realizing 2017 
Wow. I look forward to giving up more every day because the less of me there is, the more of Jesus there is. The lighter my steps are, the easier it is to walk. It's just altogether good. So if you want to surrender, just come down here and start however you want to pray. All right? I'm going to pray for you and ask you if you would please do that. My heart breaks for anyone that walks around in misery all the time. My heart breaks for people that walk around in defeat all the time because it's foolish. The victory is yours. You've already won. Don't carry it. Don't carry it. So if you would like, if you want to, come down here and uh, just surrender everything that you can possibly think of. Let the peace flood your soul. And I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father of glories, Father of peace, Lord, we know that we can't walk this life in and of ourselves. We know we fail. Lord, we're tired of trying. And we know that you've got it. Hallelujah. You've all got it all done. Lord, even our salvation was before the foundation of the world. Lord, you've got it all. Help us to get out of the way. Help us to give up that old man, that old flesh. Lord, help us to surrender everything in our lives to you. As those things go, Lord, fill that place with your joy, with your peace. Lord, with that knowing and that knowing that I don't have to worry about that because it's in your hand. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, give us a new year that lasts more than one day. Give us a new year that lasts 365 days where every day of the year we surrender more we give up Lord we walk in the fullness of faith the fullness of trust Lord the fullness of your Holy Spirit in our lives hallelujah what blessing what joy father I ask for a special blessing on pastor Norm Lord the healing is already there. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's a done deal. Father, reveal to him wherever he is at right now, at home, on the couch, whatever, Lord. Reveal to him right now the wonders of even surrendering a sickness. Hallelujah. There is nothing your blood cannot touch. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, be in our, in our time together after this service, Lord. Bless the goodies and the snacks. Lord, help us to live every day looking just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray you enjoyed this message. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at gaylorchurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.